Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Again, welcome to Cross Creek. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here. We are so glad that you are here to kick off our new series now. Thank you for watching online. If you are watching, uh, we just really love that you are a part of what is happening, no matter where you are or when you are. So thank you for watching online. Hey, um, one thing about Cross Creek that I want I want to make sure that we get across to everyone who enters uh, this room and maybe even sees us online, is that we designed this church to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. We want this to be a safe place for people to discover God's love, to ask questions, to have some doubts, and then maybe walk through those with someone. And so that's why we created this church, to be that place. And to do that, kind of need to ask questions, Right? And you kind of need to have a a chance to ask those questions, have a chance to have somebody to talk to about stuff. Well, that doesn't really work right now because I'm just talking on a microphone and that'd be awkward if you're all shouting questions and stuff, right? That'd be like when I taught middle school and it was horrible. But we still want to walk through those questions with you. And so that's what that card is in the the seat in front of you. It's called the uh, Connect card. And this is a way to connect with us. If you have a question about anything I say tonight or maybe just something about, about God, about Christianity, we want to be a part of that conversation with you. And so you just mark on this card, you mark your name, your email, and then uh, maybe at the very bottom you say, I have a so what about question. Like I'll say something, you know, God, God is for you. We're going to talk about that tonight, how God is for you. And you say, yeah, God's for me. So what about this? And maybe that's how you phrase your question. You can write your question on the back of this card, and then after service, you can give it to the person at the information table, and we will get back to you this week with maybe a further way of um, talking through this question you have. And online, you can do the same thing where it says, ask a question. Now, because Cross Creek is a church where people don't normally go to church, and we want to be a safe place for people to discover God's love, um, we kind of have a problem. And if you were here last week, you heard about this problem. And if you weren't here, well, then this is This is new information for you, and you should be really excited. Because here's the thing. Something is going well here. This church is growing. We we started um, almost two years ago, a little over two years ago, with 20 people in a living room. And um, we... I think, what, two weeks ago, we had just 60 people in this room, not counting kids and volunteers and all that kind of stuff. And so with growing comes an awesome opportunity. More people are coming. More people are inviting their friends. And we are running out of parking. Maybe you noticed that as you came here. You kind of had to park all kind of weird. You didn't really know, do I park in the field? Do I park on the gravel? There's no lines. How am I supposed to, right? Yeah, you experienced that. Now, if you were here in the winter, how many of you were here for some rainy winter nights where it's nice and dark, you're leaving, it's pouring down rain, and you're walking through a muddy parking lot with potholes and all that kind of thing, right? Not very safe, especially if you have kids. And so what we are doing, we are starting our very first financial campaign, don't leave yet. <laughs> we are starting our very first financial campaign that we're calling Safe Spaces. And what we're, what we're uh, attempting to do with this campaign is raise $15,000. It's going to cost $10,000 to re-gravel and expand the parking lot. That's how we're parking now in the grass. That doesn't usually work in the winter because you sink down. So we're going to expand the parking lot. So that's going to cost $10,000. And we're raising that money because we believe, you know, this, what's happening here is important. People are discovering God's love for them, and we want to have a safe place for them and their families to park. And maybe you heard me say, hey, we're raising $15,000, and I just said the parking lot's going to cost ten. dollars That's because Cross Creek's not about Cross Creek. Cross Creek is about our neighbors, about our city. We are for Salem because God is for Salem. And so we believe that, you know, the the effort and the time and the energy that it's going to take to raise the money for this parking lot shouldn't just be used for us. Shouldn't just be used for a Sunday service because Cross Creek is way more than a Sunday service. And so what we are committing to is one-third of every dollar that is donated to this campaign is going to go to an organization called Every Child. 
Every child is an organization that works with foster kids and foster families. They take them from the moment they enter foster care to when they're finally old enough to go out on their own. They, they give them um, help and, and uh, resources to actually go out and make it now that they are on their own as adults. So it just kind of walks them through the whole process of what it means to be in foster care. And so our goal is to raise $15,000. So the $10,000 for the parking lot and then uh, $5,000 for every child. Now, if we raise $300, which we've already raised over $300, but if we, if we only raised $300, that would mean the parking lot gets $200 and every child gets $100. If we raise the $15,000, then $10,000 for the parking lot, fully paid for, and $5,000 to every child. If we raise $20,000, yeah, that's right, Matt. If we raise $20,000, then $10,000 would go to the parking lot and $10,000 would go to every child. See, so anything above the $15,000, 100% of that will go to every child. And so we're really excited for this. We're really excited that we can uh, create safe spaces for people to park and discover God's love and help create safe spaces for children who are in maybe some terrible circumstances that now they see that, hey, somebody loves me. Hey, God loves me. And so we want to be a part of that. And you can be a part of that by donating to our Safe Spaces campaign. And so uh, we have a GoFundMe campaign going on. You can find that GoFundMe page at yourcrosscreek.com safe complicated, right? Yourcrosscreek.com slash safe. You can also, you know, give, um, you can give cash and checks and all that at the info table. But uh, we're, we're asking that we, we're, this is going to be a six-month campaign. And so on top of your regular giving, because we still need to keep the lights on, we are trying to raise another $15,000. So thank you so much to those of you who have already donated. We've actually, we've only been doing this for a week. This is our second Sunday talking about it. And we've already raised seven and a half percent of our goal, which I think is pretty cool. I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Oh, one other thing that you might not, you know, you might not expect. We're offering a money-back guarantee. If you donate to this campaign, you're like, you know what? I didn't know that bill was coming. You know what? I, I really don't think it's worth my, my contribution. I, I, I disagree with what I was feeling that day or whatever, right? Come to us. We will give you your money back, no questions asked. There is a time limit, though. Because you can't go back 10 years and be like, hey, I want my... Oh, you know what? If it's 10 years from now and you're, you need some money, we'll help you out. Anyway, don't quote me on that. But please consider being part of uh, the Safe Spaces campaign. Uh, last week, we had these cards that uh, were commitment cards. We have those at the information table as well. And if you want to kind of donate a certain amount per month regularly, you can use that card and tell us, hey, here's what I plan on giving so that we can kind of plan ahead and say, okay, here's, here's what we're doing for the next six months, all right? And if you have any questions about the campaign, use the, use the Connect card and we'll try to answer those as well. So thank you for listening to that. Thank you for being willing online to, to listen to that. And uh, I want you to, to know something. God is for you. God is for your neighbors. Why we're doing, why we're trying to raise $15,000. God is for you. And the reason we're doing this now series, because I want you to know that God is for your happiness. God is for your happiness. And there is, might be some of you in here, they're like, what? I didn't know it was that kind of church. That's not what I was taught. God wants you to be happy. No, 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 no. I wasn't taught. I was taught God wants me to be holy, make him happy, and then when I die, I'll go to heaven and then I'll be happy. Right? That's God's plan for me. Be holy now, make God happy by doing all the good stuff, and then you know, when I die in the future, then I can be happy in heaven. And maybe, that, maybe that's why you gave up on church. Maybe that's why it's the first time you've been in church for a while. Maybe it's why you're watching online because that just feels safer because... You know, if there's a God, you're thinking, if there is a God, from what everything I've heard at a church, he's not interested in my happiness. In fact, from my experience, he often puts roadblocks, some people call them rules, in the way of my happiness. In fact, this whole Bible thing is, is full of rules that get in the way of what I want to do, of things that I think make me happy. So he's not interested in me. In fact, some of the people that I used to go to church with some of the people that I, maybe I go to church with now. Maybe some of the people that invited me to watch this message. I don't know. You know, maybe they're, you see them trying to be so holy, but you see them also so miserable. 
Right? There seems to be a disconnect between somebody trying to be holy and make God happy and happiness. And it seems like you can't, you can't have both. So you felt like you needed to make a choice, either happiness or God. And I don't blame you. Often it's presented that way. I don't blame you, but I want you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. God wants you to be happy. Yes, he wants you to be holy, but he also wants you to be happy. In fact, they're not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But God wants you to be happy now. Not just in the future in heaven, but he wants you to be happy now. He actually wants you to enjoy your life now. He wants you to be fulfilled now and to be who you were actually made to be now. That's what he's about. I mean, I mean think about it. Happiness can only be experienced in the now, right? You can, you can remember good times when you were happy, but those memories give you that, that happiness, that happy feeling now. And yes, you could sacrifice for future happiness, but having that hope gives you happiness now to get to that point, doesn't it? See, happiness is experienced now, and God wants us to be happy now. And so often we can't enjoy our happiness now. That's why we kind of need to talk about it. We're going to talk about it for three weeks. We can't enjoy our happiness now. We're actually robbed of our happiness. Guilt over our past can rob us of our happiness. Worry about what's going to happen tomorrow can rob us of our happiness. And in fact, distractions right now can rob us of actually being happy right now. And so we're going to talk about that for three weeks. Now, before we get into talking about how our past robs us of happy, I think we should play a little game. Because this could be heavy. So I want to have a little bit of fun first. I want to, I want to get to know three of you a little bit better. And so before I call people up, I was wondering, are there any volunteers that would like to just play a little game of telling us just a little bit? Of, you don't have to talk at all. But is there anybody over 18 one of those games. Chris, come on down, my friend. Hear it for Chris? Do we have anybody else willing to be a part of this exercise, this experience? That's just Aaron Fiedler. Don't worry about him. Patrick, all right. And we're going to need... Thank you, Patrick. And I think, I think we should you know, make the stage just look a little bit better. Are there any ladies that would like to be part of this, part of this game? Telling us a little bit about yourself. Any ladies over 18? Heather, hey! Heather Carlisle. Awesome. So this game, or this, let's call it an exercise, because we're adults. This exercise is called Never Have I Ever. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. If you have done the thing I say, you will hold up the sign that says, I have. If you have never done the thing I'm going to say, you hold up the sign that says, I have never. Pretty, pretty simple, right? Here's yours. Here's yours. Didn't know what you're signing up for, did you? Uh, you're not allowed to lie. This is church. I know it's Cross Creek, but it's still church. <laughs> we'll start off easy. Are you ready? Okay. So, if you have done it, say, I have. Don't lie. And if you haven't done it, say, I have never. So, never have I ever cried or talked my way out of a ticket. <laughs> oh! Now, Patrick, if I said, never have I ever cried my way out of a ticket, would your answer still be the same? Ah! <laughs> and Heather, I assumed. Let's go a step further, shall we? We'll just jump right into the deep end. Never have I ever been arrested. <laughs> and Patrick will leave it at that. <laughs> All right, good. How this? Never have I ever, there's a reason I'm not holding a sign, never have I ever eaten food out of a trash can. Yeah. I'd be with you as well, my friend. If it's on the top, it's not in the trash. It's on top of the trash. 
Uh, how about this? Never have I ever spied on my neighbors. Yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, we all knew the answer. Aren't you glad you guys didn't volunteer? Never have I ever accidentally said I love you when getting off the phone with an acquaintance. <laughs> okay, bye, I love you. Oh, shoot, that was my boss. <laughs> Jamil doesn't count. <laughs> Never have I ever cheated on a test. <laughs> well, that, that means you have. There you go. <laughs> no, you know, you guys are kind of snoopy. Never have I ever snooped through a friend's bathroom drawers or cabinet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't coming over. You're not getting invited to my house. Never have I ever dropped my phone in the toilet. Hey, good job, guys. Sorry, Heather. Did the rice work? No. Oh, sorry. I, oh, sorry, I told you you wouldn't have to talk. Never have I ever tried out some sweet dance moves when I'm alone, home alone. <laughs> Man, I would love to see that video. Let's do, let's do uh, two more. Never have I ever kissed a poster of a celebrity. You guys lie. <laughs> or magazine picture. Or TV. Or, okay. Yeah, me neither, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, last one. Never have I ever gotten a tattoo I regret. Hey, good job. All right, thank you very much. Let's give him a hand. Thank you for participating. Thank you for being semi-honest, being semi-vulnerable. So our past, our past can be funny. Our past can be maybe not so funny, right? Some of you were really glad you didn't have to hold up a sign. Those of you who held up signs were really glad there's certain questions I didn't ask you, right? See, one of our biggest thieves, one of the biggest thieves of our current happiness is our past. Choices we made in the past that haunt us. Choices that produce this feeling of, of guilt, of maybe shame. Maybe it's something you didn't choose to do. Something that happened to you that just, for some reason, grabs you with this feeling of guilt and shame. Something that wasn't even your fault. But it's still there. It's still part of kind of your past. And when, when it gets dug up, it just kind of brings those guilty, haunting feelings. And here's the thing. Guilt from your past is a poison to your happiness now. Guilt from your past is a poison to your happiness now. Guilt from your past can kill relationships. Right? It can isolate you. It can keep you guarded, keep you from telling people who you really are. You know, what if, what if they find out? What if, what if they, you know, nobody could understand. I can never truly be myself and let, let everything out. They, they wouldn't understand. They would see me in a total different light. Guilt from your past can kill your joy. It can cause anxiety, depression. You can have this, like, this feeling of constantly beating yourself up over things you can't even change. It can kill your soul, guilt from the past. It can be exhausting, a nagging, unrelenting feeling, kind of like your soul is being waterboarded. It makes it almost impossible to enjoy beauty that you, that you are experience, experiencing in the now because there's just this, yeah, that's beautiful, but oh, I have this, this sinking feeling, this, this haunting feeling inside me. In fact, you know, if there is a God, he definitely wouldn't like me. He definitely wouldn't be for me. He definitely wouldn't love me if he knew what I did, if he knew who I've been. I mean, he wouldn't, how would he be a good God if he, if he accepted me for, even though that happened? So what do we do? We run, we hide, we deny. When it comes to God, may we deny 
that he exists. Maybe we ask endless questions so we don't have to actually get close to him. You know, well, if there is a God, how come there's so much evil? And that's a great question. Sometimes you have to land out an answer. You know, oh, but if there is a God, then how come? Sometimes we just ask endless questions because we don't want to have to look at the fact that there is a God. And we have this guilty feeling that makes us want to hide from him. And maybe this guilt, this feeling, isn't even about something specific. I mean, it can be a vague, indefinite, but persistent, guilty feeling that you, you just feel like you can't shake, but for some reason you just can't put your finger on it. But it's there, and it's kind of eating away at your soul. And the fun thing is, if you're a Jesus follower, there's more to it. Right? If you have this feeling, there's something in your past that haunts you, you'd say, well, you know, if I really was a Christian, then I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have made that choice. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just fooling myself. Maybe I'm a hypocrite. Maybe I'm really not a Jesus follower. You know, oh, well, God's mad at me, and so that's why I'm feeling guilty. Right? That's why he, I feel like his, his thumb is on me because he's mad at me and he's holding me down until I make up for it. Or maybe you don't use these words, but it's subtle. I'm, I'm not worthy to be close to God. I'm not worthy to, to actually read, read my Bible because I'm just going to feel convicted every time. I'm just going to feel guilty every time I open it. I'm not going to pray. Who am I to talk to God? Do you know what I did? God won't bless me now, which is Christian for make me lucky. right? I won't have good luck. I mean, I won't be blessed by God now because, you know, what... How could he give me that after what I've done? Or, oh, I, I don't know why I feel guilty, but I just feel guilty. There must be some hidden sin in me that I, I haven't confessed, and so God's mad at me. It leaves, leaves you feeling like you have to do something to make up for your past. You have to do something to ease your guilt, to make up for it, right? That's how many religious rituals were started. Oh, you feel guilty? Light this candle. Oh, you feel guilty? Pray this prayer. Oh, you feel guilty? Give to the Safe Spaces parking campaign. <laughs> that one's true. I'm just kidding. It's not. It won't ease your guilt. I mean, it's why those holy people that you kind of don't want to be around are trying so hard to be holy, but they're so miserable because they are trying to make up for something that they can never actually make up for. You know, they're saying, oh, I, I hope I did enough good to make him happy with me, to make him kind of forget. Here's, here's a whole bunch of good things, God, so you can forget what I did in my past, right? I, you know, I, I hope I did enough good. Maybe when I die, I'll find out, right? And then maybe I get to be happy, and maybe I don't get to be happy. But deep down, you know it's impossible. It's impossible to take away your past. What's in your past is in your past. It's there, right? There's no past eraser to, to wipe it out. It is there. It happened. Your past is that nothing you can do can take away your past. And so, you're left feeling hopeless. You're left feeling hopeless. And here's the thing. That's from guilt. Guilt is a thief of the life Jesus promised. Guilt is a thief of the life Jesus promised. Jesus didn't promise, hey, you know what? I'm going to come and die for your sins so you can feel guilty for not even know, and not even know why. You're welcome. Hey, and by the way, come, come once a week to hear a guy tell you how bad you are so you feel really bad, and then you did your penance for a week. And the more boring it is, the better. That's not what Jesus promised. Here's what Jesus promised. What Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, I have come that they, us, they may have life and have it to the full. Have a fulfilling, rich life. Not maybe monetarily rich, but a life worth living. A life where you know you are being who you were always meant to be. That's the life Jesus promised. But guilt destroys it. Here's the thing. I've got great news for you. This isn't one of those messages. You're actually going to feel good later. You can have peace. You can have peace with your past. There is a way to defeat that thief that steals, kills, and destroys your happiness and your joy. You can be joyful again. You can know, check this out, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and is for you. I didn't say hope. 
You can hope. You can know that you know that you know that God loves you and that God is for you. You can enjoy happiness now. And Jesus' best friend, John, the Apostle John, actually told us how we can experience a guilt-free, happy life now. See, when, when, John, when Jesus was, was on earth, John was one of his disciples, and he was actually just a teenager at the time. So he's following Jesus around, learning what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, seeing actual love in action. And he was just a teenager. And as, as he grew older, he became a leader in the church. And he's, his, his job basically was going around telling people, hey, here's what Jesus' life was like. Here's what he did. I sat with him. I ate with him. I watched him die. He was on the cross and he said, John, take care of my mom when I'm gone. I watched him die. And then three days later, I ran to his tomb and it was empty. And then he actually talked to me. And he ate breakfast with me. And he would go around telling people, this is what happened. This isn't just what I believe. This actually happened. Jesus died and rose again. And now he is an old man and he's writing to Jesus' followers, saying, this is what Jesus was about. He's saying, this is why Jesus came. It's AD, AD 85 now. He's an older man. He knows he's going to be gone soon, so he's writing down, this is what Jesus was all about. And we call it, we call it the book of 1 John. He actually wrote three of these letters. He also wrote the uh, historical eyewitness account called the book of John that talks about Jesus' life. And so we're going to look at the book of 1 John. It's just a letter to Jesus' followers. And what's he do? He's, he's talk, like I said, he's talking to Jesus' followers, th- those who trust that Jesus' death and resurrection makes them right with God. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower, just trusting that Jesus' death and resurrection makes you right with God. And, and what I hope we'll see is that, that there's hope. There's hope to actually know God is for you, know that God loves you. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I want you to know that there is a way to know. And what we're going to see is this. Truth conquers guilt. Truth conquers guilt. And we'll explain what that means in a little bit. But what I want to look at is a passage in the book of 1 John. Start at chapter 3, verse 19. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, no worries. We totally have all the verses I'm going to say on the screen. You can trust us. It's accurate. We double-checked it. We're not making stuff up. But you can follow along there. But the book of 1 John, really, I, was, I loved studying this week and putting this message together because this is my favorite book of the Bible. This, if, if you read this, maybe one, once, it's short, so you could read it once a day for a week. I think it would change your life. Anyway, I love it. So let's see what John says about being happy. Verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is how we know that we are right with God and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. See that guilty feeling? You don't feel very restful, do you? Especially if you think of being before almighty, all-powerful, all-holy, all-knowing God. It doesn't always give our hearts this restful feeling, but John's saying, you, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and set our hearts at peace, at rest in his presence. So know that we belong to the truth. Know that you belong to God. Think about it. Are you there? Or you could say, yes, I know 100% as we sang, I am a child of God. I am good with God. God is for me. God loves me. Nothing could ever change that. I am 100% his. If I died today, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will be with him that moment. Think about it. Could you say that? I mean, that's, I would say most answers would be like, well, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope if I died, I'd be, I'd be with God. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a good person and I've done enough, enough good things to outweigh my bad. I've never murdered seven people. Right? I mean, that person, that person murdered eight. So we're always better than somebody, right? Well, yeah, I'm not Hitler. Hitler said, well, I, I'm not Mussolini. Right? We're always saying, hey, at least I'm not. But we always say, you know, do you know for sure if you died that you are right with God, that you would be with him? I think most of us would answer, well, I hope so, 
Right? I, hope I, I hope I've done enough good. I hope, I hope he's happy with me. But don't we all want better than that? I mean, don't we want to be sure? Like in, in your relationships with each other, don't you want to be sure that you are loved? Don't you want to know that your spouse loves you, that your, maybe your parents love you? John says you can know. In fact, a little bit later in this letter that he writes, he writes one of the most profound statements, I think, ever written in the English language. Well, he didn't write it in English. <laughs> Did you know that? One of those profound statements ever translated into English. Here's what, he, here's what he writes a little bit later on. I write these things, I write First John, the letter of First John to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, who are Jesus' followers, so that you may hope so that you have eternal life. So that you may, you know, kind of think you have eternal life. So that you may know you have eternal life. I saw Jesus. I was with Jesus. Here's what it means to follow Jesus. Here's what it means to be with Jesus, to, be, to belong to the truth. I'm writing you this so that you can know that you are his. You can know that you are his. And knowing that we belong to God will set our hearts free will set them at rest, will give us peace. No more constant guilt, no more shame, no more anxiety inside of us. See, guilt makes us question whether, whether we're loved by God at all. Oh, if I'm feeling this guilty, how does God feel about me? Guilt confuses us, makes us fear God, makes us feel like he's against us. But when we know we belong to him, we can have peace. In fact, we can say it this way. Knowing whose we are gives us peace with who we are. Knowing whose we are, knowing that we belong to God, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are God's gives us peace with who we are, with our past, gives us peace with our past, gives us peace with our present, gives us peace for our future. Let's see what else he says. Verse 20. Now, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. When you feel that condemning, guilty weight, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it doesn't mean God has rejected you. Here's the thing. Guilty feelings are not proof that God is mad at you. They're not true. If you are a Jesus follower, meaning if you have confessed and accepted God's forgiveness, then God does not condemn you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He does not condemn you. Does God convict Yes. There's a difference in what we're saying tonight. There's a difference between guilt, feeling guilty and just beat up and condemned, and conviction from God. I believe God convicts. He says, hey, the way you are living, the choices you've been making, the series of choices you've been living in, that is not giving you your full life. That is, that is causing harm to you. That is causing harm to others. It's, it's ruining your relationship with others. It's ruining your relationship with me. You can make a change. You can turn that's conviction saying, you know what? I need to make a change, and I can make a change. And you make that change, and you move on, and you've been forgiven, and you trust that you've been forgiven. That's conviction. Guilt is, I can't believe you did that. Oh my gosh, you are evil. You are dirty. You're sick. Who does that? God, there's no way God could love you. There's no way anybody could love you. You need to shove that deep down and make sure nobody knows anything about it. And you wake up, and you're like, oh, okay, well... There's that feeling again. A week later, there's that feeling again. A month later, I don't know why I feel this way, but I still just feel guilty. That is guilt. That's not conviction. Two different things. God convicts when we need to change our life. But he doesn't condemn. He doesn't use guilt to get his way with you. So if you have confessed that, yes, I have sinned. 
Yeah, I know. Everyone has sinned. If you've confessed and repented, saying, I want to be different. I can't always be different, but I want to be different. Please help me. Thank you for dying for me. If you've confessed and repented and you are still feeling that tormenting guilt, it is not God punishing you. It is not God punishing you. I mean, look at what John says. Who's doing the condemning? Not God. If our hearts condemn us, it's our hearts that are condemning us. Our heart, our feelings. Even, even the thief that John talks about is stealing our joys, giving us that guilt. Sometimes we just have an overactive conscience. Sometimes we've been brought up with all these rules and we, we, try, we, we realize we can't live up to these rules. Nobody can, by the way, and the people who gave you those rules didn't live up to them either. But we feel like these rules are on us and, well, I'm just guilty. I, I broke the rules. Those are our, that's our heart. Sometimes we feel the accusations of the one whom John calls the accuser, who accuses God's people in front of him day and night, saying, yeah, but did you, did you see what they did? And he's, he's whispering in your ear, you are evil. God couldn't love someone like you. Who do you think you are? You're just an imposter. And whatever it is, John says, God is greater. Even if we feel guilty, if you are a child of God, God knows the truth. God knows what he did to take away that guilt. He is greater than your feelings. See, feelings or our perceptions are not always reality. What God says is reality. Guilty feelings, not, not conviction from God that says, hey, you can change, you can be better. But guilty feelings are not truth. They're just feelings. Guilty feelings are not truth. They're just feelings. If you have trusted Jesus, you've confessed and you've repented, you are not guilty. That's the truth. God knows that you are his and nothing can change that. He knows everything. He knows that you are his, even if you're not sure. But there's more. Verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, that sounds great, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. If we can accept the reality that we are free, that he has set us free, we can enjoy confidence and peace with God, which means we can enjoy confidence and peace in any situation we find ourselves in. If we accept the, real, the reality that there is nothing that can separate us from God, then there is never any reason to hide from him, never any reason to avoid him, never any reason to feel inadequate with him. We can be comfortable and at peace with him. We can be comfortable and at peace with ourselves and with our past, no matter what our hearts tell us. We can have confidence that we belong to God, and we can enjoy a perfect relationship with him now. Not some special day in the future, but now. We can have a perfect relationship that starts now and lasts forever. And we can appreciate the good gifts that he loves to give to his children. Not because you earned it, because he loves you. He wants to give you good gifts. You're like, that sounds awesome. Like, who wouldn't want that, right? You can disagree with me. Write a card. And that's okay. But you say, you know, that, that sounds great. I would love that. I would love to know that. I, I get what you're saying that it's possible. How do you know? How do we know we are his? How do we know that we are at peace with him? Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive any, from him anything we ask. Because, why? How do we know? Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. What? That's not what you said. Nice bait and switch. Welcome to church. So in other words, how do we know that we are his? Holiness. The path to a guilt-free and happy life is holiness. Don't switch to Facebook yet if you're watching online. Because there's more. See, I thought, John, I thought you said it's not about rules. I thought the rules and rituals were things that people put on because of guilt. But you're saying, to be guilt-free, I need to be holy. How does that work? You mean like just never sin? Well, it's too late. I already did. So we have to follow commands to be at peace with God and to be happy. We have to be those holy people that I really don't want anything to do with? I thought it wasn't about holiness. 
here's the thing. Holiness probably is not what you are thinking it is. Because there's more. Verse 23. And this is his command. So we know it by obeying his commands. Well, what's his command? This is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. That is his command. See, holiness is not what you think. It's not following the rules. It's not, you know, trying to tiptoe. It's not, it's not stop smoking that and stop drinking that and stop being with them. Holiness is not what you think. It's, it's not following rules and it's not doing rituals. Holiness is faith in Jesus expressing itself through love to others. That's holiness. Holiness is faith expressing itself through love. What do I mean by faith? Just believing very hard and having this mystical experience at a worship night? No. Faith is trusting that Jesus is the way to peace with God. Jesus is the way to peace with God. That is faith. Trusting that God does love you and he wants a perfect relationship with you, but also knowing that there's no way to please a holy and just God Right? We've all broken what we call the law of love. We've all broken the law that says love God as with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. We've all hurt other people. We've all hurt God's kids. So when you hurt your kid, how are you going to react? Not great. So there's this, there's this like weird dichotomy going on where God loves us and wants to be with us, but we have sin. What the Bible calls sin, we might call it evil. You might call it a mistake, but a mistake you do on purpose is not really a mistake, is it? You chose to do it. You knew who you were. You knew what you were doing the whole time. So we all have that in us. We've all hurt people on purpose. We all put ourselves above others on purpose. And there has to be judgment of that, right? If God is God, then he's a good king, and he doesn't just let evil go, right? Many people say, hey, if there is a God, why is there evil in the world? Because we all know a good God would do something about evil, And so he did, without having to destroy us. That's where Jesus comes in. See, if God wanted to get rid of evil, who makes all the evil in the world? You do. I'm good. (laughs) But if God wanted to destroy evil, he would have to destroy everyone, wouldn't he? And he didn't want to do that. And so what did he do? He sent Jesus, his son, to come and take that punishment we deserve for hurting others, to take that punishment, to free us from the grips of sin, to actually take all the sin in the world and die for that, and die for our punishment, and then raise again saying, you can be free, you can have new life. I have conquered sin, and I have conquered death. It doesn't have to control you anymore. And he says, well, and how do you, how do you receive that forgiveness? How do you know that you are right with God? By doing all the rules? No. By giving all the money? No. By faith. By trusting that Jesus did die for you. By trusting that his death paid your penalty. Does it make perfect sense all the time? Like, well, why would him dying for me make a difference? It does, because it takes God to die for someone else's sin. And that's what he did. And when you trust, that's what faith is. Faith is just choosing to trust. Your guilt is washed away. Guilt never has to have a hold on you again because it's already been taken care of. That bill you racked up with all that, those choices you made, that bill has been paid. And when you have accepted this relationship, you begin to be transformed. You start loving others in ways you never did before. You express your faith by loving others. See, love is proof that you belong to God. Love is proof that you belong to God. Love doesn't make God like us more. Loving others doesn't make God like us more. Being nice doesn't make God like us more. It it doesn't earn his favor. It's not the cause. It's the effect. Love is the product. Love is the result of belonging to him. And therefore, we can look at our love of others as proof that we are his. That is our proof. That is how we can know. Has there been a transformation in how you treat other people? Has there been a transformation in in how you love and how maybe you make choices that are for someone else and not just yourself like it used to be? Is there change? Are you looking more and more like your heavenly father? If you are, that is your proof. You know how I know I am Ken Silva's son? Because I look just like him. Lucky guy. 
But that is proof that he is my father. When we look like our parents, that's proof that they are our biological parents. And when we start acting and looking like our heavenly father, that is proof that we are his kids, that we are children of God. No matter what your heart tells you, love is proof that you can look back on and know that you belong to him. Now, maybe you've never allowed Jesus to pay your bill. Maybe I, I talked about that, and you're like, well, I've, I've never done that. Maybe you've been trying to pay that bill yourself. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're here. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're watching online, because you're like, well, I, I need more church in my life. I need God to notice me more. I need to make up for, for this, this guilty feeling I'm feeling. And that's, maybe that's why you're here. Hoping your good outweighs your bad, and that maybe being here or giving money is kind of your penance for, for that past. Trying maybe to do your own version of holiness. Ignoring the guilt. Shoving it down. Maybe hoping God doesn't exist so that that guilty feeling is just kind of, you know, just part of evolution. Maybe you're hoping God doesn't care, God doesn't notice. It's time to make peace with your past. Accept that you can't change it. You can't make up for it. God wants to give you a new life where your past doesn't define you. He wants to make you who you were always meant to be, to free you from that guilt and that shame and to make you his forever. And maybe you've made that choice. You said, yes, I am a Jesus follower. I have said, yes, forgive me for, for the sins I've committed. Forgive me for the evil I've committed. Come into my life. I trust that you died for me. I am a child of God. That you still have that guilty feeling. It won't go away. Your feelings aren't reality. Just because that accusing voice in your head is familiar doesn't mean it's true. You have been forgiven. How do I know? Jesus has the scars to prove it. You have been forgiven. See, there's nothing Jesus forgot to die for. Right? If you trust in his death and resurrections to forgive you, to free your guilt, there's nothing he forgot to die for. There's nothing where you're like, man, I have sinned so much, Jesus' death isn't good enough to cover it. That's why God had to come to die, to cover all of it. You are forgiven. You are his. Relax. Enjoy him. When those guilty feelings come, say thank you. I know I was guilty. Thank you for paying for that. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for everything you had to do to go through it. Thank you that I am your child and nothing can change that. And then prove it by loving others. Be who you are. Be a child of God and prove it by loving others. And maybe, maybe it's time to identify with him. Maybe it's time to be baptized. Maybe you said, I've, I've chosen to follow Jesus, but I've never made it a public declaration. Maybe it's time to choose to make that declaration. So you have a date you can look back on and say, see, I am a Jesus follower because I have publicly declared, I can't save myself, only Jesus can save me. That's baptism. If, you want, if that's something you want to do on your Connect card, you can mark, hey, I want to be baptized, and we can get that ball rolling. So I want to I do something we, we do sometimes here, but I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you, and just, just for ease of knowing who I can pray for, I just want you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. We're not going to try to sneak your wallets out of you right now. But here, here's why I, I want to make sure that none of you are actually like looking at me right now. I'm not going to do anything sneaky. But I want to know, you know, maybe it's, Maybe you identified with that. You know, there's never been a point in my life, there's never been a point where I personally made the choice, not my parents making the choice for me, but I have never made the choice to say, I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to accept your forgiveness. I want to be made new. I admit that I have sinned. I admit that I can't change my past. I want you to give me that new life. If that's you, the way I can pray for you and with you is just by you making eye contact with me. So I know that there is someone here that wants me to pray with you, lead you through that prayer. You've never made that choice yourself. Is there anybody here who wants to make that decision? Yes? Awesome. Anybody else? Online, you can do this too. I won't see you, but you know. If that's you, that's awesome. Now, go ahead and bow your heads again. Maybe you have made that decision, but you have that guilt that's just been weighing on you, and you realize, I can let it go. I want to pray for you. 
I'm going to pray that you can let it go, that you can just trust that you are His. If that's you, just look at me so I know to pray with you. That's awesome. That's great. Very cool. Well, let me pray. Let me pray with you. First, if this is the saying, I want to make that decision first, first time ever, I want to be a Jesus follower. You can just repeat this. It's not a magic prayer, but you just say it in your heart. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are for me. I admit that I have sinned, that I can't do anything about it, that I can't save myself, but that only your death can pay the penalty for my evil. I trust in you. I, I, I give up trying to do it myself, and I trust only what you have done. Come into my life and make me new. Amen. Now, if, if you looked at me, or maybe you didn't look at me, but you said, you know what, I, I got this guilt. I know I'm a child of God, but I got to get rid of it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are greater than our feelings, that feelings of guilt are just feelings. Help us know the difference between your conviction to change patterns of, of lifestyle from, from guilt that is not from you. Pray that you give us the courage to just thank you when that guilt comes. Give us, give us the peace of heart to know that you love us and that you are in control. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Jesus came to give us a full life now, to give us true life. Does that mean it'll always be easy? No. But it means you can be happy even when things aren't always going the right way. Even when things are hard, you can be happy. It means you can be happy now and you can be fulfilled now, not chained to a past and co- that constantly steals your joy. You don't have to be the victim of, of, of your past sins. You don't have to be a victim of, of your present. You don't have to be a victim of worrying about your future. You can simply confess and believe and let out the guilt. Don't let unfounded guilt steal your joy and kill trust in your Heavenly Father. Believe and rely on the truth. You are his. You can be free and you can be happy. Now, we weren't made for guilt. We were made for love. The past is over. It's over. Can't do anything about it. Accept, enjoy, and share God's love now. We can be happy now. Awesome. Hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy Memorial Day, and we will see you next week.